Everyone's picking sides. So we're taking a stand. I'm Paige. I'm Karen. And you're listening to the Power Stance Podcast. Welcome back to Power Stance Podcast. You have your host, Paige and Karen, with our second interview of our interview series. We are very excited. Um, I will let Karen do the introductions. I'm keeping a mystery right now. So right now we're a mystery podcast, but... um, At the time that this is recorded, we're approaching the change of seasons, which I think is um, always, always an interesting time. I used to hate winter, like 100% hated winter. And now I've kind of decided winter is really fun when you actually do winter sports or go outside of your house in winter and don't just hibernate. So I don't know about you all. Are you more winter or summer people? I thought you could ask about the Olympics. I thought that's where you were, where you're going. No, no. (laughs) I mean, for me, I'm a summer person. I'm from an island, so. That's fair. Mr. Guest, what about you? I'm definitely a summer person as well. (laughs) That's, I'm excited for it. So that's what I have to say. I have appreciated winter more than normal because usually I'm a summer girl as well. But we're, um, at the time this is released, it'll be a beautiful spring and the flowers will be blooming, the birds will be chirping, and you'll be listening to our incredible guest, Hazio. So Karen, would you please give us the download on um, our wonderful speaker today? I... I was really thankful when my good friend, Hasiel, uh, whom I call Hassi, she's also, that's her nickname, um, was going to join us for our podcast. And just to give a little background on how we know each other, Hassi and I met in 10th grade when she came to our school as an immersion student here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> I know our youthful good looks <laughs> make you think that we were only just in 10th grade, but actually it was a long time ago. <laughs> so we have been friends um, over the years and just stayed connected through college, getting into our careers, um, has to getting married, just some awesome life transitions. We've stayed connected and stayed friends. And so I'm really thankful for that because it's it's not easy to keep track of people after all that time and keep up. So I'm so thankful for our friendship. Um, but also, I'll let her introduce herself kind of more in depth in a minute. But Hassie's like one of the smartest, most driven people I know. Um, she's got a decade of experience in the nonprofit world, uh, which is just amazing that you've spent that long, like, you know, advocating for people in the community, children that... Um, just need someone to stand up for them and speak up for them. Um, and you have been traveling to all over Oklahoma, I think, right? Or been working with communities all over Oklahoma. So not even just locally in Tulsa. But um, it's really, really cool what you've been doing. So, um, but also, she's a multifaceted person because not only does she work with the nonprofit, people in the nonprofit space, she brings her fun and feisty side to the dance floor. At the end of this episode, we're going to talk about how you can check out, watch, support, uh, maybe even join one of her dance teams. So stick around to the end of the episode for that. But as a little icebreaker to start us off, Hassi, what is your favorite style of dance or maybe just the one you find the most fun or challenging and why? Um, Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me today. Um, My absolute favorite style of dance is salsa. Um, I just love Mm. the high energy of the music and just all that goes into the movement. Um, And yeah, that's definitely salsa dancing is my happy place. 
Ooh, that is so fun. Wait, Karen, I'm curious what your favorite dance is, style I don't is. I have one. I made up this question yes. thinking like, she doesn't have one I'm going to feel left out because there's two dancers on this call and I'm just here <laughs> like, I don't know anything about dance. So I was just going to let the two dancers on the call like talk about <laughs> technique or I don't know what dancers talk about, but. You just follow your heart. I would, so I loved salsa. Um, contemporary ballet was my favorite because I grew up doing like classical ballet. But now my favorite is just thrashing on the dance floor. However, I feel like at weddings. So Freestyling. I feel like my technique yes. has definitely gone down a little bit since I quit ballet. But the, the spirit is always there still. <laughs> Does TikTok dances count as a dance? I style? say you should count it. <laughs> I think so. I think as Any long form. as you're moving. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Salsa is a fun one, too, because I feel like that's something you can do as an adult. Like you can do it, show off at parties like it's a very multifaceted one whereas people aren't as amped to see you like pirouette and like show off your ballet moves so it's more of a social dance yes (laughs) yeah I just picture Paige like you know we like announce her coming into the room and she like comes in (laughs) I'm like and grand jeté (laughs) I love that I love that well I'll see so for our listeners Would you give us a little bit more of your backstory? So kind of how you came to Oklahoma and how you got into this nonprofit space, just kind of giving us your journey a little bit. Yeah, Uh, I was born and raised in Mexico, in northern um, Mexico, in a city called Saltillo. And as Karen mentioned, when I was a sophomore in high school, I came to the U.S. with a student visa as an international student. And so really my professional career can't be separated from my academic career because of the legal um, requirements behind this particular uh, immigration category. And my, one of those requirements is that as a student, I always have to be studying full time. So I have, I am still pursuing my academic career. I'm currently working on my dissertation for my doctorate in, in education. And my professional career has been determined by, by that um, due to those requirements and limitations in order to stay in status. So, yeah. And so you've got some family here as well. So, kind of, you know, your journey coming here. Uh, also involved because your family also wanted to come here and moved here. So you wanted to stay close to them was a huge part of that. Yes. Yes. My brother, my older brother was the first one to come to the U.S. And really, I blame him for (laughs) bringing my parents and I along uh, when it was clear that he wasn't going to come back and he was going to start a family. That's what ultimately brought me to Tulsa. I have two beautiful nieces and a nephew. And um, that's definitely what, what brought me here. Do you remember what your first thoughts were when you came to Oklahoma? So I remember not knowing anything about Oklahoma history. And someone asked me what tribe I was from or I was in. And I thought that it was such a peculiar question. And I was like, the Mayan tribe, the Aztec tribe. <laughs> I was like, they really want to get into the root of my ancestry. Wow. Um, and I thought that that was weird until I realized and I learned more about 
the native land that we are on and everything. I was like, oh, they thought that I was, they assumed that I was native and they were wanting to know that. Right. And like just the deep history of Oklahoma of the, all the tribes here. Yes. And so it's, yeah, it's a, <laughs> that's funny though, that like, they're just like, that is- give us you know, your history. And you're like, oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> are you expecting to stay in the States as long as you have? That's a great question. I, did not expect to stay this long. My original plan was really to get um, a college diploma from the U.S. and then go back home and keep on living my life. Um, But by the time that I graduated from college, the drug war really affected my hometown and it became unsafe and dangerous for me to go back. And um, obviously there were a lot of opportunities here. And so ultimately that's what, um, made me decide to stay longer than I had anticipated. That's, I joke that the, um, life has that Uno reverse card, just always ready that the minute I think something's going somewhere, life's like Uno reverse. <laughs> We're going that way instead. So, that's so true. I can relate. That's so to interesting. That. What, you know, what made you want to do nonprofit and, you know, what has kept you, you know, working at it for so long? Yeah, I had no idea that you could grow a career in the nonprofit world. Uh, And the way that I got my first job out of college, it was by complete just happenstance. Uh, I did not pursue it because I didn't know that it was an option. I had graduated college. I had been pursuing my dream job, which at the time was, um, to work for an embassy or an NGO, an international organization. And those jobs are so competitive that after a couple of months of no lead or progress in that area, I just came to a point where I was like, I have to pay the bills. I just, any, any job will do now. And that's how I landed in a nonprofit world. Um, and uh, after I was introduced to it, it just totally opened my eyes to a whole new world. And I just, couldn't imagine my life not um, not being as fulfilling as I have experienced in a nonprofit, and so I've I've stayed in it ever since, and and I'm so glad. What aspects do you really like about the nonprofit world that you feel like set it apart from a traditional career path? So the one thing that differentiates it for me is that it's very or it should be mission aligned, and so if you can relate to the mission of the nonprofit, then it just gives your work so much more meaning, uh, behind it. So I like how rewarding and for fulfilling it is in that aspect. That makes total sense. I, it is kind of an underrated field that people forget about. You do get paid still if you work for nonprofits, like, which is the myth. <laughs> there is a way. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's a myth that, Oh, you, you must not get paid. Well, <laughs> right. <laughs> She's made a career out of it guys. Yes. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anything's possible. <laughs> I love that. And so, you know, we wanted some of that general background on Hasi. We're going to get pretty deep into her story um, in the next few questions, but definitely wanted you to get that overview of her freshman career. And um, the kind of when we were prepping for this interview, um, we, we ask our interviewees, you know, what are some pivotal life experiences that you've had um, things that like you can really highlight in your background, because um, as our listeners know, our podcast is about, you know, your values, like what you stand for, what's important to you, and really what shapes that are the experiences that you've had throughout life that make you realize like, hey, this is what's important to me. Um, This is what I really want to be intentional about and focus on 
one thing that Hassi mentioned that had st- stood out to her was a trip that she just got back from at the end of January. So Hassi, you were able to go back to your hometown in Mexico for the first time in 20 years. I know we look like we're only 20 years old. <laughs> I just can't believe I've known her for so long. But really, it's been... It had been 20 years since you were able to um, go back to your hometown in North Mexico, like you said. And um, so some of our listeners may not have a frame of reference on, you know, what it means to emigrate from another country to the United States, what actually it involves. Um, So really, the first question that I have is, could you shed some light on why you weren't able to go back and visit for 20 years? Yes, absolutely. So as I mentioned, I had a student visa. And uh, before 9-11, the term that your visa was for, it was usually four to five years. And so when my visa was issued, I had five years to stay in the U.S. as a student. And as I mentioned, um, in order to keep my legal status, I have to keep studying. And so even though my visa expired after those five years, as long as I was an active student, my legal status was fine. Um, but if I went out of the U.S., then that's when I had to renew my visa and, and all of that good stuff. And so when it comes to my family being immigrants here in the U.S., my brother was able to get his citizenship through marriage. And then he was able to petition for my parents for them to be able to stay. And at the time, I was already considered an adult. And so I didn't really fall under that dependent um, family relative. And so that's why I made a decision to keep studying and, and keep my legal status like that. Uh, but of course, I, I could leave the U.S., but then I, I couldn't come back. And um, and there's a little bit more complication to that, but I'm trying to keep it short and sweet. But a lot of people talk about you know the pathways in immigration. And what a lot of people don't know is that there there aren't as many as, as there you might think or expect. And so... Uh, some people would be like, oh, you've been in the U.S. for so long. Why don't you just apply? Like not e- everyone is able to apply and be eligible for that. And so um, that's why it took me so long to go back. It wasn't until I myself got married to a U.S. citizen and went through all the paperwork and, and I became eligible to to switch my status from a student to a temporary resident. That probably was very interesting to you having to straddle. You had so much family still in Mexico, but then you also have your core family out in the States. So how did you all kind of like still maybe maintain those bonds without having getting to go back that frequently? Yeah, that that has been, I think, one of the most difficult things to navigate, how to keep those close relationships, not not just to family, but also friends. And I will say that technology has been amazing, uh, being able to, you know, video call and FaceTime and, and meet, sometimes even meeting, you know, my best friend's kids through pictures and, and videos and um, at least being able to, to meet them in that way. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely, distance is definitely hard uh, in maintaining those relationships. Was there, when you did finally get to go back, so how did that feel seeing your hometown after all that time? Like, you know, you left a child and then you came back a full grown, full grown adult. So how did that feel seeing it for the first time? It was very surreal. I felt like someone had to pinch me <laughs> that I was actually there. Um, it was, I just felt a lot of gratitude to be able to go back. And 
it also made me realize things that I missed that I didn't even know. Uh, like my hometown, it's all surrounded by huge mountains and uh, there's a mountain range in the mountains are just beautiful. And as soon as I started looking at the mountains, I just started getting really emotional mm -hmm. uh, because I didn't realize how how comforting they felt and how much I had missed them. Mm -hmm. um, so little things like that that I, had, I hadn't really had a chance to, to think about. It's crazy to think that 20 years is a long time, especially when you left as a child, essentially, or in high school. And a lot of the... Um, events that you kind of want to be there for people like pivotal moments like marriages having kids and things like that um and it's not to be a downer but really just to talk about the reality of part of the story for you is what it means to immigrate and and you know choose to stay here because of the opportunities that you have and things like that but um but you lose a little too along the way and so i, I think it's important to kind of highlight that yeah, I think that that human aspect of of the sacrifice that mm -hmm. people have to to give up in order to to be in this country. You know, things like my great grandmother passing away and not being able to go back to Mexico to her funeral, and then that happening again with my grandfather and with my cousin um, who unexpectedly got cancer. Um, it's weird what that does to our psyche as well because even though rationally I know that they're not here on this earth mm -hmm. physically anymore going back after so long there was kind of like an almost like an expectation of seeing them there because mm -hmm. I felt like you know going to a funeral you kind of get that closure and like it's mm -hmm. part of that ritual as human beings and since I didn't get to experience that I, there was mm -hmm. kind of like this expectation, like, oh, they're still going to be there. <laughs> because again, like how distance kind of plays into it. Um, so yeah, that, that's definitely something that has been really hard. And, you know, with, with best friends getting married and not being able to be there or for the birth of, you know, their children and things like that, that's definitely the, the human aspect of it that, that has been hard to deal with. What were some of your favorite moments of getting to reconnect that were really special to you while you were there? So my favorite realization and, and one of my biggest fears going back um, was um, feeling like like it was still my home. I had been away for so long that uh, on the way there, I was like, wait, what if if it feels like I'm a foreigner or, you know, like it's not my home anymore? Stranger and, in a strange land. Yes, it was a huge <laughs> relief to to realize that it did not feel like that. I mean, yes, a lot has changed, but also, there were some things like my grandma's kitchen, like time has not <laughs> passed yeah, in her kitchen. Yes. It just it looked exactly the way that I remembered it. Yeah. And like she smells the exact same I was going to say like the yes. sensory things yes. like you can visualize yes. it. But even like how smell and sound brings back memory, like yes. hearing familiar music, smelling familiar smells like you're just like transported <laughs> into the past. Yes. Yeah. And also... Realizing that despite the distance, um, not just with family, but also with friends, like I, I was able to meet up with people that I hadn't seen since like ninth grade since <laughs> yeah. I left. And it was as if nothing had changed. Like we just picked right off where we left off. And it was just really great to to reconnect with people in that way. I feel like that's so comforting to people who like 
especially with COVID where like a lot of people might have been like, you might've had two years, like, you know, not even as much as you'd had where it's just things create that time distance. But I think that's such a good thing to remember that when you have connection with people and you're willing to, you know, like continue that you don't necessarily need consistent connection for it to still be a special and meaningful relationship, but, you know, making the most of those times you do get to spend together can like really keep that bond strong. And I always think that's a really fascinating and cool part of, you know, human relationships of just how much, like, yes, we do need frequent time together, but maybe not as much as we always think. And just like how those bonds can stay so deep for such long periods of time. I just, I think that's really cool. Hopefully for those who are, you know, if you haven't gone to see family and things like that, it can yeah. still be really special and meaningful to reconnect. It's like, like kind of carrying two cultures essentially, because, you know, you were in Mexico for like very formative years and that's a big part of your family background. But then I know like coming to the States, it's a different, it's also a different culture was a big part. So what's kind of, what's that experience like having to kind of carry both with you? Yeah, I am approaching a moment in my life where it's kind of like a halfway point of, I have spent just as many years in the U.S. as I have in Mexico. And, mm-hmm. and at, when I realized that it kind of does, did weird things for my identity. Like, I'm like, wait, does it like, mm-hmm. am I less Mexican because <laughs> I'm going to be spending more time in the U.S.? Like, what does that mean? And something that really helped me was that in the beginning, I felt really protective of my Mexican culture because I felt like it was something to be lost. Like if I became Mm -hmm. too Americanized, that somehow that would decrease my Mexican side. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was helpful for me to transition into a way of thinking that it's not one or the other. Like it's normal for for both cultures to collide and it doesn't make one better than the other or that it should be like an equal balance. It's just kind of a merging of it. And so... Mm -hmm. When I came to accept that, you know, it's okay to incorporate American culture because I have had this experience and and it's not, they're not in competition, uh, that created a a whole lot of relief Mm -hmm. in me that it's, it's just part of my experience. Um, So it's, you know, not getting rid of the old, but also being able to be open and, and merge to other cultures as well. I think that's super mature. That was a great question, Paige. Um, yeah, it must be, you know, having spent so many years growing up in Mexico, um, it, does it help to like meet other Spanish speakers here or like other people of the Mexican community? Like, does that kind of help you keep in touch with things? Obviously the dancing like is going to help with it a lot too. Right. So are there opportunities like that for you to stay connected with it? Yeah. I mean, um, speaking Spanish has always been uh, a part of my life. Um, I, you know, talk to my parents every single day, um, and intentionally doing activities that connect me to my culture. And that's something that I think if I hadn't come to the U S I probably would have missed out on like taking opportunities to celebrate my culture. And, you know, mm-hmm. here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, like what are those chances where I can showcase, you know, the arts and, you know, dancing music, um, that are not as easily accessible as they would be in Mexico. Um, I think it, it makes you appreciate them more as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, like being intentional about connecting um, with your culture and roots, I think is very special. I think that's a, I think that's a really mature way of hand, like 
handling it too of I can carry them both at the same time without them having to be conflicted or like one is better than the other because I think that's just a tendency of just and that's kind of honestly like an archaic just global mindset of like American culture is the best or like European or Mexican like that's just you know a weird like old school domination thing we have that I feel like now we're becoming more uh, thankfully mature as a society to be like each one is beautiful and has its strengths and weaknesses and I can love and cherish and respect them both learn from them both and they don't have to be in conflict of which one is better they can just both exist and be parts of my life and things that I incorporate and I can give or take from either one so I just love what I loved that point you made and I think that's like a really cool just reminder for everyone whether you don't come from a cultural background like be respectful and like you have the opportunity to learn about someone else's. And if you do, you can still be a part of the community that you live in without disregarding what you've come from and what might be important values to you from there. Like beautiful point. A plus for you, our education PhD. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the whole thing is taking opportunities to learn from other cultures. Like I'm from the Filipino culture. She's from the Mexican culture. I've like found so much in common with Hassi. One of our close friends is Persian. (laughs) And so like Mm -hmm. we kind of uh, talk a lot about similarities and differences that we have, but that's the things that we have in common that bring us together. But I love learning about it from, you know, friends that are willing to share, share food, share, you know, any stories or anything like that. Like it's, that's the beauty of living in a global world. And with technology now, like you don't have an excuse, like you can YouTube about another country and like learn, um, you know, actual in-depth history and facts and not just know about stereotypes or whatever. So I feel like it's, uh, education is a huge part of that, but also like that personal touch. That's why I love that mm-hmm. we're highlighting, you know, different people's stories because it, that way you can put a face and name and be like this, this person, this experience is her own. Um, and I can learn something from it. So it's it's awesome. Um, I did want to kind of circle back to the trip. I know we we can talk more stories about it, um, about the trip that you just took. Um, but you're back in the U.S. now, and I know you're. It, it'll take some time to kind of process and reflect. You know, you mentioned that's that's what you've been doing since then. But you've had some eye-opening uh, reflections since then. So, how is that trip? you know, going back after 20 years, how has it changed your personal perspective or maybe your mindset um, about your life? Any, anything that maybe you came back and you're like, I want to approach this differently or think about this differently. Yeah. The trip definitely grounded me and I feel like it, it repurposed me in my life Mm -hmm. in the sense that as an immigrant, I always felt like the limitations and restrictions that have been placed uh, here in the U.S. for me, they've felt like a burden and obstacles for me to overcome. And they've just always become like a challenge and really a source of huge toxic stress in my life. Uh, And going, being able to go back, it, it just totally turned that around. It felt like it wasn't a burden. It was a privilege. And because of my experience, like I'm able to do things that I otherwise wouldn't be able to like helping my family. Um, and so I became extremely grateful to, to be able to get that eye opening experience and, and little things like 
having to translate in my head, like how, how much money I, I was carrying, you know, like I, I got so used to carrying dollars that yeah. I was like, wait, like a hundred pesos sounds like a lot, but that's really just like $5. <laughs> and so when you think it up about that, anyone that is earning like $50,000 a year is a millionaire in Mexico because of the currency. So just like, mm-hmm. think about like, you know, and 50,000, you, you might think like, oh, that's not a lot, but it just kind of shifted my perspective. And like, it was a reality check for sure. And how fortunate mm-hmm. and privileged I am in my own experience. Mm-hmm. Was there anything that you feel like value wise or just kind of was reinforced from that trip that you're carrying forward now as you've like come back and are, you know, planning for at least the time being to stay in the States? Yeah, I think sometimes and especially after COVID and everything, it was easy to focus just on like my individual needs and like, well, like, what do I want? And like, you know, should I pursue something else? And and really just, I think that's also part of the American culture. It's very Mm -hmm. um, individualistic and like there's pride of of being self-sufficient and, and, you know, autonomous, independent. And, and again, not saying that those things, uh, there's anything wrong with that, but I think going back to Mexico, it reminded me of how important it is to be more of a collective and how mm-hmm. we really need each other mm-hmm. um, to strive and move forward. And so it's great to feel like I was part of that again. And again, as I said, like it kind of repurposed me in that this is why I work so hard in the U.S. so that I'm able to like give back and serve others. And I think it just grounded me in that and and coming back, I just, I felt like I had a renewed purpose of, you know, like why I wake up every day and, and work hard and save money uh, because I want to be able to, to help others and serve others. So that's awesome. And I, I grew up in El Paso, so it's a very heavily Hispanic community. So that's actually like the culture that I tend to like gravitate towards a lot just cause it was, that was what all my friends were. That was always the best tacos. When I moved to Dallas, I was like, what is this trash? Like <laughs> somebody help me figure out what's going on. <laughs> it's just like a very, but that was one of the things aside from the incredible food and dancing, I have never gone to a better party than a backyard party <laughs> in like my friend's abuelo's backyard. So fun. Aside from that, though, I loved the family value and just that focus. And I do think it's interesting to see even kind of in the States, things kind of gravitating toward that just as like housing prices are outrageous. So a lot of us millennials have found ourselves like having to move back home or just it's really expensive to put parents in nursing care. So a lot of people are having to take care of their parents from home. So it is just kind of interesting to see that I think you're, that's always been a very American thing of like the individual is the most important, but I have noticed a switch after COVID and just things happening economically, how we've moved towards kind of going back to that, like, okay, the family unit is important and it's good to be individual, but it's also good to be supportive and part of a community. I think that's a cool, cool thing for you to get to carry forward here especially with a lot of your close immediate family being, you know, closer by in the States. I think that going back to even what we were talking about, what we were talking about earlier was just the being part of two cultures, like you have the opportunity to draw from both. So mm-hmm. there's something to be learned from the American side where it's there is a lot of pride, but it is like 
um, you know, we quote unquote, the American dream, if you work hard, you can achieve anything. And so there's a lot of pride to be had from that side. But then again, being able to draw from another um, part of yourself and the community minded part, I think is something that I frequently have to remember to go back to is like, I'm not here just to be all about me. <laughs> and like, I was that's awesome that you brought that up well and i'm so glad that you mentioned the american dream i think ultimately that's what this trip did for me it it gave meaning to my american dream you know like Mm -hmm. yes i'm able to be here and pursue my own goals and and achievements and success but it it gave the gave me the why like why is that it's not just for myself like if i do this then i'm gonna be able to give so much more and serve so many people. And that reinvigorates me for sure. Awesome. Is there anything that you would share, give advice to people who maybe are kind of in the process of like, they have had to leave home and haven't gone to go back, or they're just kind of in culture shock from being here. Is there any advice that you would give to someone who might be in that situation from what you've experienced? I would just say to remember that you're not alone. Um, even though our experiences are all different, um, you're most likely not the only one going through a similar experience. And so my advice would be to reach out to others, um, to share even with those that maybe you think that might not relate to that. Um, and to just reach out and ask for help if you need help. And sometimes even just having someone to listen to you is comforting and and helpful. And so I would just say, take care of your mental health, reach out, lean on others and uh, find your, your support, your, your circle of support. Well, thank you, Hasi. This has been an incredible conversation. I actually am very encouraged by it and I'm excited to hear other people just as, you know, we release it, would love to know other people's experiences as, you know, they balance the line between two places and hearts and homes. And I think it's just such a good reminder that like we are a melting pot, like we're, we are kind of a more global society. And so just being aware of each other and learning from one another and, you know, getting to share in how rich other people's experiences can be, is just so cool. And like such a great thing of just the time we're in. So Karen, there is another side of Hasi that we've talked about that I would love for um, you to tell us the very rhythmic on beat side of Hasi. (laughs) I'm already like squirming in my chair from excitement. Um, (laughs) So yeah, this is going back to Cassie's love for dance that we talked about in the beginning. Um, But she not only loves dancing, she turned it into an amazing passion project, side gig. I mean, you're professional and a professional instructor is what she is. So um, please tell us, Hassie, a little bit about your dance teams, why you do it, why it's important to you. Um, and if anyone is interested to check it out, whether viewing, you know, videos of you guys dancing, or even if they live locally coming to join a team, just give us the whole spiel so we know what's going on. Yes, dancing is an essential part of my self-care Um, it's the one place where I'm not thinking about anything. I just focus on moving my body and enjoy. And so you can actually go to TulsaLatinDance.org and uh, find out all about what's going on in our city in terms of Latin events. And um, we took a pause in promotion because of COVID cases. But once it's safe again to do so, uh, we'll post everything on there. But we have uh, teams 
uh, an all-woman team for both salsa and bachata, and then we have partner teams as well. And we are officially a nonprofit as well. And so any uh, revenue that comes in from the teams just goes back into the dance community. So we're, we're very excited about that. We have actually performed in our six years of existence more than like 150 times in front of like 30,000 people. I keep wow. track. Wow. <laughs> I got, the, got stats. the stats. <laughs> yes. And we perform at community events, at galas, at, you know, private events, really everywhere that will have us. And we uh, keep a schedule going. So again, if you go to our website, you'll be able to see the upcoming um, opportunities for that. Does someone have to know how to dance in order to join? No experience is necessary. No partner is needed. We start from zero. So everyone is welcome. So cool. Which you want to work out. Man, that is a workout. It is so yes. good, though. It's like the best way to break a sweat. So, And <laughs> if you're a nonprofit, we can get a tax deduction if you donate. You can get a workout. You can have a good time. I mean, this kind of seems like a whole package. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> and if people aren't local, how can they even just check out and see what you guys do or you know, donate if they're interested and things like that? Again, all the information is on our website. And actually, that's the silver lining that came from COVID. We started uh, recording our practices and doing them um, live on Zoom so anyone can join. We Last season, we had someone from Spain join, a former member who used to live Ooh. here, and someone from Maryland and Arkansas. So it's, you know, virtual is a good thing sometimes. How cool. Yeah. We're going to put some clips on our socials is what we're going to do, <laughs> right, Paige? Yes. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll be posting. So you can definitely check out those posts to get the Instagram links and things like that. But that sounds very fun. Speaking of socials, so we'll make sure to link um, the links that Hassie mentioned in our social media, but follow and subscribe to us at Power Stance Podcast on Instagram, TikTok. Um, we are hoping to have even more awesome people to interview, but today was such a treat. I This was a blast. I had so much fun, Hassie. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so today. much. This was wonderful. Yay. Thank you. And thanks, Paige, for calling in. Yeah, we are now the traveling podcast because this was done with our interviewee in Tulsa. I mean, just get us an RV and we're just going to hit the road. Any <laughs> any day now. Any day now. Speaking of sponsorships. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. Have a wonderful Bye. day.